Hi, and welcome. I'm Z. And I'm Keith. And we're going to tell you about the movie that we just watched. But first, a little bit of a heads up. Some of the movies we watch deal with heavy subject matters. In order to talk about these emotionally delicate things and the heavy subject matters that we sometimes cover, we add humor and crude language to add some levity and to process our own trauma. If that doesn't feel fun or safe for you, we completely understand. Please take care of yourself first and foremost. And we spoil the end of pretty much every movie that we watch. Now you know. (laughs) On with the show. Someone bet on the bobtail nag. Someone bet on the bay. Girl, are you on drugs? Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm on drugs. Yes. <laughs> hey, and welcome to Hi. Uh, Hi. our show. Hi. Hi. Namaki. Namaki. Um, like and subscribe. Yeah. Get on uh, that Patreon. Uh, yeah. Uh, Patreon, uh, Instagram. Don't look at TikTok because I haven't touched it in so long. But I want to make videos soon. Um, We're also on Twitter, but Twitter, you know, yeah. I mean, like Twitter's fine. Twitter's the same thing as uh, Twitter. I I've been trying to like very unsuccessfully um, trying to add a little more tweets than just the. Occasion than just the updates we do for what we're showing for the week or whatever. Um, but yeah, Instagram is, you know, if Where you it's have at. Instagram, yeah. Uh, YouTube as well. Oh, yeah. We'll be, I, w- I want us to uh, do more things on YouTube. My camera broke. I'm so bummed about that. My camera, my camera broke, and that's why we're not doing vlogs or, you know, the, you know, video of our. Vodcast or whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, my own private Idaho. Yeah, that's what we watched. I don't think I'd seen the whole thing. I think I'd just seen mm. little bits of it. I think that I flipped to it because it was a movie and it was like starring Keanu Reeves, and I was like, "We're watching that." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember the Italy part. Wild, and that's all I remember out of it. I might have seen a little bit before that, but I definitely, once they got to Italy or whatever, Rome or whatever, uh, I was like, oh, I remember this. You know that Rome is in Italy, right? No. No. I'm just kidding. It is. But they were, it's like, specifically. They were like, Roma or whatever. But then they go to the countryside. Yeah, I didn't, is that, but that's where she was at. It was in, it was supposed to be Rome, right? Because her address was like Roma or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's where I was like, that's why I was like Rome or whatever because I wasn't quite sure. Yeah, I, I didn't remember most of it. I just for the. Just I also didn't remember any of the Shakespearean shit. Shakespearean shit. Like all the stuff with Bob. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I didn't remember Bob as a character, but I know that I'd seen. I'm pretty sure that I'd seen the part where they go in, and Keanu Reeves has his like back to the guy. I think I'd seen. To Bob when he he's like keeps just turning to Bob and being like, I'm turning my back on you and you were like a father. Oh, in the restaurant. Yeah. At the end. Okay. Yeah. Um. But. Um. I thought it was I thought it was more tragic than it actually was. I I for some reason I thought yeah. I thought that River Phoenix died at the end and I'm like man this is gonna suck because. River Phoenix is going to be dead at the end, and it's going to be like, you know, this horrid, but no, that's, spoiler, River Phoenix doesn't die at the end of this movie. (laughs) I mean, he's dead in real life, but not in this movie, so. So I was. Silver lining. Yeah, no, but I was like, oh, thank God, I didn't want to, I was like, I really don't want to, 
I was kind of dreading it because I was like, oh, God, I don't want to do tragic gay. Right. Not like not like this, you know. Right. And then that's not. That's I mean, not it's happened. not the best. It's it's I I was re- it was really interesting to me because I didn't remember that Keanu Reeves character. So the, like the pro the the prot, the plot of the movie is basically that it's following like um like street hustlers and like sex workers um who are guys. Um, which I think is interesting because I think that's an aspect of sex work that a lot of times people ignore. Absolutely. Like when people talk about sex workers, they always act like men don't do that. Correct. Or like it's only women, you know, and only women do survival sex work and shit like that. And clearly that's not the case. So I, I think the fact that like the majority of sex workers that are portrayed in this movie are men, I think that that it's, I don't feel like that's, ever really been done again to this extent it it has been done but like not as as well known not with the caliber of actor slash director and with the attitude being not right anti-sex work because it's just it's just showing uh, what their life looks like more than it is giving you a critique of of who's right and who's wrong but what's interesting is that river phoenix you know he's the like character you're introduced to first and he's like the one you're left with last um and then keanu reeves uh in river phoenix plays obviously as a sex worker but his sex he does like survival sex work and keanu reeves comes into the picture and he also does sex work but you soon like you're immediately basically told that it's it's by choice like he literally doesn't have to do this and i think this is something that maybe maybe other sex workers will disagree but i think when you put yourself into a situation that you can get out of with a phone call i it's not survival sex work because you're doing it by choice and it doesn't matter if you put yourself in danger you're still choosing to put yourself in danger when you don't have to and that's not the same as survival sex work in the sense that survival sex work means that to survive, you have to do sex work. Um, or like that's For one instance, of... If you're living in a friend's basement and <laughs> during lockdown and choose to... Choose. <laughs> right. Like, you know, if you have, you know, like, like people will describe doing survival sex work as like they did sex work so they would have a place to stay at night. In the sense that they would sleep with someone so right. that they could sleep. They literally so they could, could. be there overnight. Yeah, yeah. So they could right. have a place to literally yeah. sleep at night. Um, and like sex for a place to sleep kind of thing. So like that's what survival sex work is. And survival sex work is not someone being like, I come from money and status. I'm able to choose that way of living whenever I want. But I prefer to live this way. Right. That's not survival. That's a choice. Right. And like people. And it makes a clear distinction. And it does. Well, that was the thing. No, it, I mean, not at first, but. Yeah. And I mean, the distinction made is really just based around Keanu's character. Well, the distinction made, I think it's really, because I was thinking about this um, this morning. Um, I was like, what's interesting is they literally give you like sort of like. Because there's at one point they have a discussion of like when River Phoenix is like, if I had a different life, I wouldn't have been this way. And I think Keanu Reeves is kind of like, eh, is that really true? You know, but you're shown. Yes. <laughs> like Literally, that's the whole point is that like they're literally born into different class classes like and they're born from different circumstances like Keanu Reeves is literally an heir can do whatever he wants. The police know who he is. They don't arrest him. They, you know, he controls basically, um, you know, he has an aspect of control over his life that no one else doing this does. And he's able to be safe, safer in the situation than other people because of his connections. Right. Meanwhile, River Phoenix, you're literally told that his brother is his dad. <laughs> So it's right. like he he's literally born of opposite circumstance as Keanu Reeves. Like he's born out of like tragedy and and incest and poverty and 
and shame. And then Keanu Reeves is like, I can go back home whenever I want and I will get an inheritance and I will have money and I will, and I'm, and he's always very, I mean, I think to his character's credit, he's always very upfront about that. Like, I'm not going to stay like this. This is, and, and he says, and this is another interesting part about his character. He says that he's doing this specifically so his, his family will be more impressed with him because if he was just good, they wouldn't see it as, as a character, like, uh, they wouldn't see it as, a a development. Yeah. His, uh, like redemption, not redemption, but they wouldn't see him as having good character. They would just see him as being like, right. Like essentially like just handed everything. So if he does this and then magically he's a good boy, they'll see him as, as coming back home and like, they'll, respect him more for making those decisions. When I turn 21, I don't want any more of this life. My mother and father will be surprised at the incredible change. It will impress them more when such a fuck up like me turns good than if I had been a good son all along. All my bad behavior I will throw away to pay a debt. I will change when everybody expects it the least. There's so much about this movie that's like, really, really telling you that like there is a difference. And like at the end, Keanu Reeves like just goes home and he turns his back on all these people that he's like, I'll never turn my back on you. Like you'll have a place when I'm in power. And then he's like, nah, that's not going to happen because I don't want to basically. And meanwhile, River Phoenix is still like, it starts with him like falling asleep on the road home or like from home or whatever and it ends with him falling asleep on the road home and it's like it's it's showing you that like there's not there's not really an escape but there's not but there's also like you know the house I, I read the trivia that Gus Van Zandt like wrote the house or like the barn crashing because oh, yeah, it was yeah. like a vision that he or like a, the way that he saw like the idea of like never being able to go back home again. And I think the 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 emphasis is something he would paint often, right? And I think it's like the River Phoenix being on the road is like that that like sort of um, what do you call it? Uh, sort of like the crossroad of like you can't go back home but you also can't escape who you are right so you're always stuck in this like place of like you know you where you come from is where you come from and like that's not something that you can change but it also doesn't mean that everything stays the same so it's like a very like yeah it's a really interesting movie (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's it bye cracked it (laughs) fucking Udo Kier though you want to be my friend yep my name is Hans I'm from Germany and now I live in America setting pieces for cars Mm-hmm. He's so I'm good. So yeah. excited to know that he was going to be in it. I yeah, uh, I had no idea. I, I wouldn't have only, known who he was I when only, I watched it. I only first yeah, time. right. I only knew he was going to be in it like a couple minutes before because I was trying to look up uh who played or I was trying to I was trying to look up just like a different character. I don't remember who, which character it was. Um and I just saw Udo Kier and I was like, oh shit. And then like the next scene he was there and I was like, ah, oh, fuck yeah. So fucking weird. Love him. R.I.P. R.I.P.? Yeah, and he did. No, he came out with a movie like a, a year or two ago. Yeah. Fucking, I hope not. I thought. It... God, if so, I'm going to be just devastated. He's 78. It doesn't say he's dead. Okay. My bad. Fucking Christ. Keith over here trying to kill me, telling me baby Kier is dead. <laughs> just just to keep y'all in the loop. My God. What? <sighs> he was born during the end of World War II. Mm-hmm. In Germany. That episode of Doctor Who is about him. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> mummy? Are you my mummy? The hospital was bombed and buried his mother in the rubble. Him and his mother. He, newborn Udo. Yeah, that's the whole story, I guess. They both survived. Well, okay, good. Oh, my God. The scene where he's like, this is my mother. And where he's showing them oh, yeah, the picture. The and and Carrie's like, she's very beautiful. And fucking River Phoenix is like, you look just like her. <clears throat> and then they show the picture. My mother. Heaven bless her soul. She died seven years ago. She's very beautiful. I think so. You want to see it? She looks just like you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my God. Udo Kier has to know that he's so funny. He has to be aware. I'm sure. Did you say not true? I said I'm sure. Oh, okay, okay. Like, he's so... Oh my God. Thank you. Oh my God. It was so... Oh God. So fucking funny. I feel like the early 90s too was a particular moment for... I don't know. Like, I remember... It just reminds me of Sprockets, which was a Mike Myers recurring sketch on SNL. I'm, like, unfamiliar with that skit other than seeing it, like, in clips. Like, obviously, I didn't see it at the time because I was... I mean, the whole thing was... It's just absurdist. Right. And But played very seriously, like yeah. his character. Then it is springtime, and like the blood and gorge gazelles at the Garmisch Partenkirchen Zoo, I'm ready to rot. Just to keep everybody in the loop, I am wearing a TENS unit while we're <laughs> uh, recording. Just so everybody knows. Was it, what is that? I I don't know some some of the electrical non word I don't know t- transcutaneous transcutaneous electrical nerve yeah. stimulator or something like that it basically just sends electrical thing impulses or something pulses electric and down your... It's it, like licking a 9-volt, but... Yeah, it's like... It's just on any place that you put... I will say, when you put it on your fingers, that's when it feels like licking a 9-volt. You're like, ugh! Um, on the body, it really just feels like somebody's tickling you really fast with a little more pressure than what feels ticklish. I have to be careful what part of my body I put it on, though, because it's very ticklish. Like, if I put it on anything that's, like, meaty, like, a meatier part of my body, it, oh, my God, it's kickle. It's all the kickle. All kickle all the time. Um, right now, I have it concentrated on my lower back. It's supposed to be, I don't know, I've had, like, a couple of doctors. One shitty doctor and one good doctor recommend it to me. So I was like, well, you know, that's that's, like, one and a half good recommendations. So... It's like a three and a half star rating. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. And two and a half. Yeah, something like that. Two and a half? No. But yeah. It's yeah. It's a nineteen ninety one movie, which is also interesting. There's not really any I mean there's butts, but there's not any like maybe there's titty. There's nothing like I really enjoyed the sex scenes too. However, you want to call them. Yeah. The Me too. I love that. Yeah. The stylistic choices of them because it's I think like tableau. Yeah, and I think it's it's like I think what's interesting about that is you can imagine it feeling way less scary or mm-hmm. like uh vulnerable for the actors to just be in a still pose, mm-hmm. you know, and that's it. You know, not having to hold an expression or, like, or not right. hold an expression, but, like, not having to fake an expression or, right. like, move around or do anything like that. So, I imagine it it probably is way less intimidating to film it like that. Um, but also, it was very, 
I don't, you know. For whatever reason, I thought of, there's a scene in A Clockwork Orange. Oh, right. The threesome? Yeah. That gets sped up. And it's sped up, yeah. Yeah. Um, And how much more I like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Clockwork Orange, a film I saw with my mother for the first time. Oh, good Lord. I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry. I was like, this isn't... And that threesome scene sure was not fun to watch with your mom. Fuck Kubrick, man. I know. So over it. I do enjoy The Shining, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I don't enjoy what... Don't read anything about Right, exactly. I like the movie, but knowing how Shelley Duvall was basically like just verbally abused the entire time. Yeah. And was like sick and, and like miserable the whole time because of it. Shelly Duvall. She's back, baby. I know. Oh, love that. I forget what she did already. It was like a year ago. No, I think it's like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think she was just in like a horror movie or something like that. But I don't know if it's already come out yet. I think I heard about that she was like it was filming last year or something like that. I don't know if it actually came out. Maybe I'm wrong. I think I don't, I don't honestly know what to say about this. Film. I know that's the thing. This is this is the problem when we enjoy a film, kind of, but it's not like there's not much to critique about it. Yeah, because it doesn't. It's not like because I think this is a movie where like then versus now, like the. The reality of of the situations hasn't changed that much, you know. There's still class disparity. There's still, you know, uh, people who, you know, like there's still a a need for like the secrecy of of you know sex workers to that men get because they don't want to be out or whatever. They you know they can't accept. There's all these things are like it's still sort of like relevant today. Yeah. So it's almost like m- more uh what's the what's the word like more Yeah, or something more like not avant-garde. I'm thinking like uh uh like cuz like now it would be like they would do this movie and it would just be like dicks and there would be like, it'd just be like the way to push the envelope would be like to show a ball sack. Yeah, I was going to say that's know? the thing is like, it's not really sensationalized. Right. But like if, if it, it's almost more evocative, I guess, than if it was made now, because now it would just be so, there would be so much more attempt to make it right. like shocking. And, and a lot of times that it comes off boring to me. Yeah. You know, like this doesn't read, this reads as people who are comfortable with it because like Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix were like best friends and they lived uh, together in Gus Van Sant's house during the, yeah. the making of the movie and like with someone else, I can't remember who it was. Most of the cast is. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like they all, Gus Van Sant had to move out. Yeah. He had to move out so he could get some sleep. That's amazing. Um, but like that reads in the movie, you yeah. know, it, it reads as something where like everyone knows each other and everyone's comfortable. Also with this each comes other. up, this has come up before, like especially the small budget films. Yeah. It's basically a necessity, but it Yeah, at least brings so much more. Yeah. You, it really pays off. Yeah. As far as like correct. People working together, yeah. you can really see it. And yeah, it. and it it reads it reads like even if there's like like even if there's like internal conflict that you're not aware of, there's still a closeness to that. Right. That comes through in that like if you're like, if you just don't like someone that you're filming with and you never interact with them because you don't have to and you just ignore them and then you're on, when you're on screen, you're on screen, it's probably going to come out flat. And I mean, maybe it won't, but like 
it, there's going to be more of a chance that it comes off flat because you don't care about this person. You don't like them. But if you're like, I don't like, I'm always getting in fights with this person because we're always in each other's space. And we're always like, we, oh, you know, there's no escape because it's a small budget and we have to sort of like interact and we have no other choice because we have to live together during this. It's going to come off on screen as a relationship, not like a romantic relationship, but like a friendship or like you're going to see, see that bleed through into the performance. So like even like the idea that like not everyone gets along on set or not everybody's best friends, like a small, a small budget film is still going to, that's it's whatever it is, is still going to add to the performance no matter what it is. Right. And that just doesn't come through with, with, and I feel like even now, like it doesn't really come through because like, you know, it'll be like, this movie is an indie movie and it only had $15 million and like, you know, every, every person in it is a person that's like famous already and they didn't have, they stayed in a hotel and they paid for everyone's private suites or whatever. And you're like, like, okay, great. Wow. I was really independent, you know? And it's just like, I mean, that's cool. That's great. But like, it doesn't do anything, you know, you're just like, that's not whatever, you know, that's not, it's not really doing anything for the movie, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't, well, one thing, this is just interesting that, this was an IMDb trivia, so not verified. Yeah. But it was released by New Line mm-hmm. Cinema. And Gus Van Sant was very excited about that. He was like, cool, it's going to get a wide release. I want it yeah. to be fucking everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was like, loved the idea that it would be shown in like malls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> right before it released, New Line created a new like... Sm- branch to highlight like small independent films so it only got very few prints made wow and a very limited distribution and screening and he was like i I should have just done it independently yeah 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 (laughs) yeah what i may as well have seriously but yeah like it's it's interesting though because like uh, my favorite part is that Jim Caviezel's in this. Like, just for, like, one scene. His first film, apparently. <sighs> I'm like, haha, you were in a fucking homo film, you goddamn piece of shit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Look at you now. Because um, he's such a doofus. He's, like, he was at some, I think he was, like, on some, oh, what was that thing? It happened, like. A couple years back, I think. Um, oh, pandemic? Yeah, no. It was like a bunch of people had a fucking conference or something. I feel like maybe we saw... What was the... Oh, fuck. Because I feel like... I feel like he was talking like on, on a, it was like on a big screen, like at a convention or something for right wingers. But I don't know. Like CPAC or something. Yeah, maybe it might've been that, but it was like a couple years ago. It, it might have been that. And he's like, he's like, they're, they're <laughs> stealing mercure chrome or whatever from, oh. from the, from babies. Adrenochrome, that's what it is. What's mercurochrome? Did I make that's that up? That's a real thing. Oh, okay. He's like, they're stealing no, it from... I think adrenochrome is real, too, but not... Right, but it's not, yeah. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, he bought all the Pizzagate shit. Yeah, he was just like, they're eating babies, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Hold on. Jim Caviezel. What has he been in? He was Jesus Christ. He was in the Passion of the Christ. Oh, that's as right. Jesus Christ. Well, that, there's your, there's your flag. Yeah. Right. Um, the Sound of Freedom. What's this? Oh, okay. It's a movie. Um, if a child knows he's going to die, uh, his body will uh, secrete this uh, adrenaline 
Um, and they have a lot of terms that they use that he takes me through. But um, it's the worst horror I've ever seen is screaming alone, even if I never, ever, ever, ever saw it. Uh, it it's, it's beyond, and these people that do it, um, there'll be no mercy for them. Um, it's, uh, this is one of the best films I've ever done in my life. Is that a real thing? You don't remember Squirrel Nut Zippers? Is that real? It was a band. No, I don't have any idea. They were like the other band besides Brian Setzer's orchestra or whatever that was part of the like swing revival of the late 90s, early aughts, whatever. Put a lid on it. It was there. (laughs) I'm glad you missed it. It was embarrassing for all. No idea. It's going to be okay. I I will say that I was hoping the trivia would I know. put some light on this. And it did shed some light. Put some light. Do Give some highlights to the <laughs> Put some highlights in the hair. Of, <laughs> yeah. Um, A, the Shakespeare, what to me read as Shakespearean. Yeah, language. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It's, it's also not consistent. Yeah. Which is okay. I don't, I didn't find it jarring as much as like. What am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Presumably, so yes, that was confirmed. But presumably, it was like basically three different scripts Van Sant was working on that he kind of just like stalled out on. So he'd mashed them together. Interesting. <laughs> and one of them was, uh, you know, like a contemporary setting of Henry the Fourth. Huh. So that's all the shit with Bob. Yeah. And, you know, I assume, I don't know the play, so I'm not familiar. Uh, yeah. But I assume all the stuff with Keanu and his yeah. dad. Right. Well, that's something that I feel like, I feel like the people who do that are mostly performing. What do you like, mean? Uh, like, in the movie, like, Bob is always performing for people. And he's, you know, he's lying and he's telling, and Keanu Reeves' character, Steve? Scott. Scott. <laughs> Scott Favor, Steve, is and Mike Waters, uh, is always sort of putting on a front, you know, because he's, you know, like when he's talking to his father, he's talking like that, and when he's talking with Bob, he talks like that, right. um, and so it feels like, you know, it doesn't really feel like. When but you he, also get the weird. Asides or monologues where they're just talking to no one or themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, he's still talking to Bob, and yeah, I guess for so. the most part. And like, I thought that was really interesting because he's like talking very quietly, but and they're so far away from yeah. each other. And but I love shit like that. It's it's one of those things. It's like it's like um, it's something that not like I, I mentioned it in our uh, unmentional mentionable about rememory, which I don't know if that's gone out yet. I don't remember. Um, this past Wednesday. It, okay. Uh, and like good or bad, there's, uh, I mean, movie wise, good or bad. There's a scene where Peter Dinklage, who's a little person in, you know, real life and obviously in the film as well, where he is driving. I'm so someone- sick of like regular sized roles going to little people. <laughs> He's regular size. He he goes. um, He just like gets in someone else's car and he's like, "I'm gonna drive." And there's no there's no mention of like. And I love that thing because it's like, I think that that movies are the perfect place to have that sort of like like suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you don't. It doesn't have to be real. You're watching a performance of something. It doesn't really matter who's playing it. It's like, it's why I like. I love the idea that someone is like. That ruined the whole movie for them. Right. Because they could not suspend it. But Peter Dinklage isn't tall enough to reach the pedals. The sci-fi movie. Right, exactly. Exactly. This movie about perfectly extracting memories and and replaying them. Onto glass. Onto glass and replaying them for people. (laughs) 
is... You know there's someone out there. Yeah. You know there's a review somewhere, or a Rotten Tomatoes... Yeah. <laughs> ...comment. Fucking... Like, this this thing, like, hit me a lot. <laughs> Do you remember... I, maybe you... I don't remember if you were there for that. So our, our pal Chris used to host a trivia night locally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's how... That's how I knew who he was, personally. Quizmaster Chris. Uh-huh. The best trivia night I've ever, yeah, before and since, fun. ever yeah. attended. Um, but one of one night, he did a category that was, you had to guess the movie from the Rotten Tomatoes review. Oh, no, I don't think, no, I didn't. <laughs> and the only one I can remember is, like, it was Wolf of Wall Street, and it was like, there were no wolves in this. <laughs> One star or whatever. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, like, like I don't know. Like, I, a long time ago, like, I had that sort of, like, pretentious, like, oh, comedy movies are so absurd and they don't even make sense. Yeah. And, like, a friend who, in my opinion, this is going to come off as rude because it is. But, like, they weren't that smart, you know? Yeah. And they were, like, and they said something very, like, sort of poignant. And they they said, they were, like, I hate when people talk about comedy movies, like, being... Uh, like n- not being realistic and they're like yeah that's the point and I was like oh fuck oh shit she's right fuck I was like that's and and after that is <laughs> it sort of like shifted my view and I'm like oh like each movie has its own sort of like logic that's allowed Correct. and and it you know sort of like reshaped my idea of like I'm like oh comedy movies are like do suspend reality sometimes because they're trying to be absurd. Like the joke is that things aren't, you know, it's just to make people laugh and that's the whole point of them. And if you're going to a comedy movie, cause she was like, why are you going to a comedy movie? If you want like realistic scenarios, she's like, that's, that's (laughs) the opposite of, of a comedy movie. And I was like, fuck, she's right. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you're like, you're not smart enough to come up with something like that. You know? Right. I'm saying, you know, that mean thought that, it's a very, it feels to me very sophomoric, like teenager. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we can gender it and say white male kind of thing to, mm-hmm. but to be like, well, that's not, you know. We, that wouldn't we, really happen. We all have that voice in our head, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for some people don't. Only listen to that voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Into well into adulthood. Right. Oh my God. I was reading this. This is like just because you said, you know, it's a teenage thing and people so so I was looking up because I you know, the, the reason redacted. I looked okay. up because it's a long story that no one sure. cares about. I looked up like the cause you know that people say, you know, your brain doesn't stop developing until Around you're 25. 25. But the rational part of your brain, the part that, that uh, never thinks, develops. No, that doesn't, that doesn't complete essentially developing until you're around 25. So it might be a little bit before, a little bit after, but like mm-hmm. around the age of 25. And the interesting thing about that is what I read, it said teenagers don't, uh, essentially don't use that part of their brain because it's not fully developed. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they don't, it's not possible. Right. Until they're like 25. And I was like, I love this idea because it says teenagers don't until they're 25. And I'm like, that's exactly <laughs> how it feels. Yeah, yeah. It does feel like until you're in your mid twenties, you're kind of still a teenager. Like, like that's how I view people sometimes is like, Oh, you're 20, you're, you're a kid, you know, like, and, and you don't have, but it says that adults like, you know, and teenagers like literally think differently. Like they, they are not able to think in the same ways, um, which I think is important. That's why you should consider what kids think and what kids, you know, because you're not able to think like them. Um, and just because they think differently, doesn't mean that things aren't going to affect them. Yeah, don't be as ableist. Well. <laughs> um, I mean, well, yeah, um, but yeah, that's just such ageist, a, but also. yeah. <laughs> um, 
You've got a different brain than me. Exactly. Right. I mean, but that's like, right. Anyway, it was just an interesting thing that like, it's actually, it's not like the whole brain. It's not like your brain finishes developing and it's not like your brain. Yeah. Choosing 18 as the hallmark for adulthood is purely arbitrary. Yeah. And you know this because things like ages, age of consent is different in different places. Correct. Different cultures. Right. So it's completely arbitrary. Yeah. And decided before MRIs were invented. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We yeah, barely yeah. have scratched the surface in understanding how a human brain works. Right, 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 right. Now. Right. In the 24th century. So fucking 29th. A. 69th. Oh, shit. 69th. And we will always be limited by the fact that the only... What? I just assumed that you were about to say something sarcastic, so I started laughing. I wasn't. Okay, sorry. (laughs) The human condition is limited by the fact that we can only study humans with human brains through the lens of a human brain. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? So there's... It's always going to be tricky. Anyway, so that made me feel better about like why this movie has like so many different distinct flavors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think it's blended well. I agree. It's a little confusing. I agree. Uh, I, I think it's almost impressionistic. Mm-hmm. One might say. Yeah. Because it's not. It definitely feels like an art piece in itself. It definitely feels like right. the movie itself is done as a as an artistic choice and not trying to be real. It's not done. It's done with realism, but definitely not to achieve have a three realism. Act structure yeah, a for sure. Yeah, sense. which I enjoy. I kind of hate. I kind of hate three act structures, or the idea that you need them. Yeah. Well, and there's a great, uh, I think I've linked to it before, but I highly recommend, I think she did two video, two part video on, Maggie Mayfish did a two part video about why Joseph Campbell was bullshit and why he's fucked up. Like he's the one that came up with the the hero's journey or whatever, which Mm -hmm. is what the three act structure is based upon. Mm -hmm. And basically he was just a rich kid, rich nerdy kid who... Subscribe to like the great men, man, men of history kind of yeah myth and like super sexist. <laughs> Go figure, or at least yeah, patriarchal. Yeah, we'll say. Everybody's been sucking his dick for sixty years, Six seventy years, or sixty. Okay, yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we really blame uh, George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> for, Taking that red pill. Yeah. <laughs> and those two, like, uh, yeah. docking. And <laughs> that really did a number on yeah. <laughs> the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Endeavor. Yeah. Ugh. So I highly recommend those videos. And in general, her channel is very good. Yeah. <laughs> Would you recommend? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you've never seen it. Yeah, for sure. But again, I would say, you know, don't go into it looking for yeah, standard yeah. structure. Yeah. It definitely has some of that. You know, oh, there's enough, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not without structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That for you're sure. not bored at all. No, yeah. Or I wasn't. And right. I don't know. It's nice. And it feels very... You know, of course, this is subjective as fuck because yeah. it can't not be. But, right, you know, right. it feels it's one of those things that feels very 90s. Yeah. In uh, the, all the best ways. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. There's that's something there's something about it that's so like perfectly nostalgic right. over over things like the way that they're able to like. Hitch rides places and like how they're able to go, you know, like there's stuff like that, like that someone might 
look at it now that didn't that didn't exist in the 90s and and be like okay how are they able to just go to rome like that's absurdist and it's like that that was a thing you used to be able to just hop a plane somewhere you didn't have to like you didn't have to have you know you didn't have to go through security in the same way you didn't there all these rules didn't apply there wasn't the scare or or really even the same kind of technology that existed that that made those horrible things possible even though it was like 10 years before like it was it was a completely different time <laughs> thanks that was even within anyone's consideration. I mean, it's so romanticized, I would say. Yeah, yeah, you know for I mean? sure. Like, but mostly or, the money aspect. Like, oh, we hooked up with a guy and then we bought tickets to Rome and we... I mean, I'm sure it was cheaper. For sure. Um, I mean, I mean, proportionally, not just... Oh, no. Because of inflation. No, no. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's it's like... It's stuff like that Economists, is like... don't get at me. <laughs> it's like you, can, you could watch something like that in the 90s and feel closer to it yeah, than, right. than now. Like now you watch that and you're like, oh, all of these things are so different mm-hmm. and you're, you feel so far away from them. Not because of the time. I mean, not so, not as much because of the difference in time. You know, this was, you know, 35 years ago or whatever, but, uh, because everything has changed so drastically, like the way social media exists and the way that like, it's not like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's super interesting. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. I know this has happens for sure, but I can't imagine it's to the same extent that people literally are hanging out at this, on the street at right. night to yeah. hook. Yeah. I mean, clearly it happens in certain places, you know, for I think sure. more, yeah, yeah, yeah. more urbanized places. Right, 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 yeah. Especially, but. There's a lot more online right. stuff. I mean, it's getting harder and harder to to do, do that, that yeah. because, but like stuff like it's okay because sex trafficking is getting easier. Yeah, right. Oh god, because of all the laws that are being made to keep protect children to protect, uh, yeah, protect quote unquote protect sex trafficking victims and keep people safe. It's making. Surprise, it's making it vastly more easy to do things like sex traffic and doing things like creating laws around sex work makes sex trafficking infinitely uh, more accessible to the people who it shouldn't be accessible to, like the people who are demanding it. Because criminalizing, because, okay, I know I can go on this, whatever, criminalizing sex work does not do anything to help sex trafficking victims because sex trafficking victims are also sex workers and they get penalized for the same things that just quote unquote, just a sex worker would. So there's no differentiation between a sex trafficking victim and a sex worker in the eyes of the law. So all of these laws that are coming into play to protect them by criminalizing sex work or even even if you don't criminalize sex work, you just criminalize like the Johns or whatever. Uh, that still puts the sex worker in danger because a John would rather kill a sex worker than go to jail. And it's a, they're a sex worker, a sex trafficking victim, so it's going to be vastly more likely that they are. No one knows who they are, and right. they it, the, it goes unsolved, and nobody gives a shit about you know sex workers. Nobody gives a shit about people like that, so they're not going to do any work uh, to do anything about it, and it's just going to go on as just another another unsolved crime. And despite what <laughs> Law and Order SVU tells you, <laughs> cops do not give a shit about sex workers or victims of sex trafficking, not in the way that they, I mean, maybe some cops do, but it's not going to, the law is going to keep them from being able to do anything about it because it's set up specifically to criminalize sex work and the people who want to access sex work. And again, I'm on, I will jump on this. The only way to protect sex workers and sex trafficking victims is to fully decriminalize sex work. And it's been proven. I think New Zealand is 
um, I think they fully decriminalized and it like decreased oh. their sex trafficking and like it decreased shit like so like much like by like do you think I could get a job at <laughs> no uh <laughs> Neil uh oh fuck why am I blanking it was gonna be such a hilarious <laughs> joke Neil Patrick Harris famous Kiwi actor Jurassic Park Sam Neil Sam Neil Neil Sam Neil Sam <laughs> I'm gonna get a job at his uh uh vineyard. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll pray for you. And then do do decriminalize sex work to make money. <laughs> and see uh see what uh former PM Jacinta Arden is up to. And your boy uh <laughs> your boy uh Reese Darby. Yeah, Reese Darby. All them guys. Yeah, all them guys. I mean, I don't really care about the Concords. Yeah, same. I mean, I don't care about the Concords, but those people are fine or whatever, but I don't. Taika Waititi. Yeah, 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 but I don't care about the Concords. Yeah, no, I just remembered that he's Kiwi. Yeah. I saw him talking about, like, how he <laughs> he was like on a panel and it was like he was saying like cuz he's you know indigenous or whatever he's uh maori and he said <laughs> he was like this is so stupid that i'm doing this he's like i it's not i shouldn't be here telling you what the fuck to do to make things better he was like you fucked it up you fix it He's like, why, why do I need to be here to tell you how to fix what you broke? He's like, it's like burning down my house and then being like, okay, well, how fast do you think it's going to take you to rebuild it? And what can we, what can we do to help you rebuild it? He's like, you fucking burn the house down. You fix it. He's like, why do I need to be here to tell you how? And I was like, damn. Okay. Nice. All right. <laughs> and he's like literally saying like, is like, why the fuck? And he's like, nice. not, it's not him being like really nice. He's like, why the fuck am I here? I don't know why I'm fucking here. <laughs> I'm like, And everyone's like, and I'm like, okay, all right. All right, y'all. Yep. White people love being like, this is so poignant. I'm doing it. Yeah, all right. I also saw this thread yesterday and it's so it was insane to me um it was an indigenous person that was talking about white people need to stop um like um policing closed practices for native people um there's a big um like on tiktok there's like a big sort of influx of white people doing um chin lines Oh Jesus Christ! Uh-huh. And claiming it's Viking, and they're like, "It's not Viking. It's that's not what it is." And they're like, "Oh, whatever." And like, there's a whole thing, and they're like, "White people will come on, you know, like if someone is not Inuk, or if they're, you know, uh, they will be like, well, if you're not Inuk, then you shouldn't be doing this or whatever." And uh, they're like. But they, if someone is not claiming to, that it's Viking and they're not Inuk, they're like, white people will still come in and be like, this is a closed practice. You shouldn't do it. And they're like, you're stupid. You can't. It's not just Inuk people that do this. Like Maori also do it. And so it's like, mm. just because you see someone as being white who isn't claiming something that they're not and is also doing something that you view as a closed practice doesn't mean it's not a different culture and it doesn't mean that you have the right to oh, yeah and well, but the replies were people were like 100% misunderstanding and they were like yep that's why closed practices shouldn't exist i agree and i'm like oh my god there you go and then another person said something i can't remember and they were like they said something basically like misunderstanding and the person clarified, they're like, no, no, I'm for closed practices. I'm not saying that it's, I'm against closed practices. I'm saying white people who are not part of these closed practices don't need to be like standing up for them and they don't have the right. And the way they (laughs) they responded, the person was like, I agree with you. I don't appreciate the way that you replied though. I was like, 
And it's so many white people just being like, you're <laughs> like, you're, you're stupid. They're like, this is why close practices shouldn't exist because everything's free for everyone, man. We're all human. And yeah. I'm like, I hate you all yeah. so much. It was so fucking well, as annoying. We've come to see, you know, we've got. Come see, come saw. 20 years or whatever of mm-hmm. social media. Ugh. And well, I mean, this is what I've learned. I'll say. Yeah. Especially when it comes to things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Oh, gosh. I don't. I, I'm trying to think of an umbrella term, but, right. you know, anything social justice related or. Yeah. Identity related. Mm-hmm. White people love policing other yes. white people, which yes. you should. Correct. I, I mean, agree. I agree. To a certain extent, but like, you know. All the, I've heard similar stories that it's just all, yep, <laughs> yep, largely white men telling each other they're doing it wrong because yeah. of some right. minutia, you yeah. Know? Anyway. And I will say, I will say, the people in my life who have given me the most grief about my indigenity and whether or not it's valid are white people yeah, that have no idea what indigenity is, what it means, what tribal sovereignty is, what blood quantum is. And and white people are always like all about that blood quantum. They're like, how much native are you? And I have been asked that question. And they question. think they're doing the right thing. Right. They're like, but how much native are you? And I'm like, don't. Wait, no. folks, this is the biggest you're not, you're not allowed to ask lesson that. I want to impart that... It takes work to be a good person. <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> and by design, the systems that our predecessors, our ancestors created mm-hmm. means that we will not have easy access to liberatory <laughs> yeah. thought, right. practices, histories, yeah, and particularly those of... <laughs> Folks that we have oppressed, our answers, right. our predecessors have oppressed. Yeah. You have to seek things out. Yeah. And that's hard. It's scary. You're going to fuck up. Yeah. Keep going because yeah. that's the only way. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, it's like if you're doing it because you want someone to pat you on the back and say, good job. You're doing it for the wrong reason, and you're not going to get that, and you're not going to keep doing it. Or if you get it, it's going to be from the wrong people Correct. or for the wrong reasons right. or both, you know? Also, beware and do not listen. Do not listen to the people when you're like, hey, I made a fuck up, and I'm really sorry, and I just want to apologize. Don't listen to the people that say, you have nothing to apologize for. Don't. Apologies are always appreciated. It does not matter. They're not... They're not over, they're not overly done. They're not, as long as you're doing a sincere apology, if you're like, I'm sorry you got hurt, but I didn't mean to, you're a shit at apologies. I mean, if you're like, like, I'm sorry that about- I hurt you with what I said, great. I'm right. sorry that my words ended up hurting you. I didn't mean to, that doesn't really matter because they did the thing anyway. Great. That's it. You've apologized. Don't listen to people saying you don't have to apologize or there's no reason to apologize because a lot of times those people wouldn't apologize if they're called out and they think that if you are called out you shouldn't apologize so you don't want to listen to those people i just see i see that all the time i see like so much so much of the time people being like you're good you don't need to apologize and i'm like why how do you know (laughs) oh yeah and i was just gonna say if it's if we're talking online which we of course always are right uh the folks who comment aren't necessarily are are rarely representative of the majority of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, whatever. Also, white people love being just judgmental. If, if that's another thing about, about like white people. Well, you would say that. <laughs> they love, Get they it? love doing, I know. <laughs> see what I did there? I, di- I do see what you did there. White people like feeling superior and you really have to check that. If you're like, I don't do this harmful thing that's stereotypical of white people, you probably do. You're probably just not aware of it or you do it in a place where you're not aware of it. You don't like it, commenting a lot of times white people being like, you shouldn't do X, Y, Z to another white person. Like, it's one thing if you're like, hey, friend, like, just coming to you 
to let you know that like this could be taken really wrong and like I'm not trying to set I'm not trying to tell you how to act but this could be really offensive to someone fine but if you're like I don't do this because I know better fuck off because <laughs> yeah. you do something that you don't know better than to do we all do so like you know, I mean, yeah, we all tend to be like, I'm really good at this. And then you remember that dumb thing you said when you were fucking 22 and a half and you're like, I hope no one finds out about it. Your brain wasn't finished developing. And you said, a what? Bo Burnham. Oh God. I just, I just can't. I know that I'm not, I know that I'm not white because Bo Burnham <laughs> makes me want to light myself on fucking fire. People are like, he's so, I'm like, no, no. I fucking, oh God, no offense. <laughs> I just would rather be choked by someone I'm not attracted to than listen to Bo Burnham sing another of his songs.